Your Newcastle. G'day and welcome to this episode of the Your Newcastle podcast series three. My name is Declan Clawson. I'm the Deputy Lord Mayor of the City of Newcastle and I'm the host of today's episode. We're going to be diving into the city's response to COVID 2.0 and particularly the work that we've done in providing additional grants and, and support to the Newcastle community to help us through some of the gaps in the COVID response. I'm joined in the studio by two very special guests who I'll introduce in a moment. But in the meantime, I just thought we'd take a, a flashback to the, the COVID pandemic, clearly something that many of us have been thinking about over the last little while. Obviously, a really significant health crisis, but also an economic impact and an economic crisis for our local community. I can certainly vividly remember thinking back to, to March of last year, just as the pandemic was was setting in, seeing the queues in front of our local Centrelink offices as people from, from a wide variety of industries were, were looking for, for support as the first lockdown commenced. In response to the pandemic last year, the Lord Mayor Nuitali Nelms and the City of Newcastle delivered some targeted programs of support for Newcastle ratepayers, our small businesses and assistance for charities and families in need. Our work helped generate 700 local jobs and keep Novocastrians in employment. The City of Newcastle, again, coming up to this second wave of the, the lockdown has, has played a role in helping to stimulate the local economy and ensure a post-pandemic economic recovery for the Hunter, including $1.25 million in grants and the Special Business Rate Funding Program as part of our expanded Community and Economic Resilient Package, which will see at least $10 million invested in our local economy and creating hundreds of jobs in Newcastle through an expanded Capital Works Program. And it's more than just about jobs, it's also about the type of jobs and the type of economy that we're helping to create in Newcastle. As a city, we want to build back better from COVID and set Newcastle up for future success. Speaking specifically about the grants programs and the work that's been done, 16 projects have shared in almost $800,000 of funding through the City Centre and Derby Street Special Business Rate Funding Program. On top of that, we've had 59 projects that have been awarded $450,000 in community support and infrastructure grants, and 16 community organisations shared in $110,000 in rapid response grants. This funding was designed specifically to support some of the hardest hit local industries, including our arts and cultural industry, the community not-for-profit sector and sports and recreation. And we've really seen some of the, the effects of, of that uh, investment as well. We had some independent analysis undertaken by REM plan last year that showed that our special business rate funding, for example, generated economic output of $5.82 million, which is a return of 350% on the city's investment. And so, again, it's not just about those raw numbers, but also about the, the net benefit of that, that investment uh, in the local community. As I mentioned, I'm joined in the studio by two very special guests. Firstly, I just wanted to introduce Mitchell Reese from Curious Legends. G'day. I first came across Curious Legends and Mitchell last year out at the Summerhill Waste Management Facility at an amazing <laughs> performance of Taylor's Run, which was part of our new annual festival. But Curious Legends have done some very impressive work locally as a local arts organisation. And so just to introduce Mitchell and the work of Curious Legends a little more, Curious Legends was one of the successful SBR projects that's creating a cultural activation in Gregson Park in Hamilton in November of 2021, that it's featuring our local artists, musicians, light installations, puppeteers and free workshops at the Hudson Street Hum and much more. The Gregson Park Mini Festival will launch their new show, Curb, with additional funding support from Rise Fund and from Curious Legends. Curious Legends have also been successful in receiving some SBR funding for the Walls End Wilding project, which is due for completion at the end of November. 
and $20,000 of funding in the 2021 Community Assistance Program, which provides seed funding for its Spirit of Newcastle project in 2022. And wait, there's still more. The Made in Newcastle project, <laughs> partially funded by the SBF funds, is almost complete after 15 months of citywide activations that finishes at the end of the year. So a very warm welcome to you, Mitchell. Thanks, mate. It's great to be here. <laughs> And joined in a slightly different capacity, but still an extraordinarily important part of of the Newcastle community by Erin Baird from Family Support Newcastle. Family Support was successful in receiving one of the city's rapid response grants in response to COVID. And that was funding that was specifically designed to allow non-for-profits to help families through the COVID restrictions and lockdown by providing things like food, toiletries and baby items and home learning supplies as well. And I know a little bit about Family Support Newcastle's amazing work covering areas like mental illness, children with particular needs, loneliness and isolation, family and domestic violence, poverty, impact of alcohol and drugs, and so much more. And so really welcome, Erin, and thank you for the work that you do in Newcastle. Yeah, great. It's good to be here. Thanks. Thank you. That was quite a long introduction, but I really wanted to, to summarise just the huge variety of, of work that's, that's underway between your two organisations and the, the city in terms of the support that, that we've been provided. And I did want to start, Mitchell, just flashing back to COVID in March and April of last year and then through the most recent rounds of, of lockdowns. As somebody that's worked particularly in that creative space, what's been your experience in, in Newcastle? Oh, man, it's been so hard, um, particularly in the arts, not just for us, but all the artists that we work with. Look, the biggest thing for us is as soon as COVID hit, our work just evaporated like overnight, 90% of it was gone. Newcastle Council is one of the few organisations which are tearing up, so I say this, has a, had a vote of confidence in our work and said, you know, we're going to honour this and continue on regardless, which has been great. So the contract with the new annual festival was honoured and that took us through until October of early this year. It was supposed to be last October that it got shifted. Then we were contracted again for another show, Gimbag Gadigan, which again was meant to be this October and has been pushed back to March. So, you know, all along, it's been great for us to have that support. But in general, for the arts, it's been really, really hard. So the amount of support we get from Newcastle Council compared to the breadth of our activities is fairly minimal. And it's something we've been able to build off of. However, yeah, I mean, even little things like we were successful in getting JobKeeper for one of our positions because only one person was actually employed. And then I had 20 artists I had to manage, you know, for JobSaver recently with New South Wales in this last round of lockdown, we were successful in like, you know, I think three positions. And I, I literally sat down with all of our artists and I said, okay, guys, you know, this is what's coming into our company. This is what's going out. We can keep employing everyone until the end of the year, but like no more extra hours, really, really incredibly tight. So we tightened our belt and we got through it, but it's been, um, it's been exceedingly difficult. Those are extraordinarily hard conversations to have and particularly hard given how important the, the cultural scene is to, to Newcastle. And those are all families that, uh, that, that you're trying to, to support and obviously generate amazing opportunities for. You mentioned the role of, of city-based funding as potentially providing some confidence or certainty, even if it's a small portion of it's the total revenue. Huge. It just gives you that, that backing and, and confidence that, that there's going to be something um, to a- keep people in Absolutely. Off and, you know, all along the way, our projects are like that. Made in Newcastle, we received substantial funding for four months initially from the city of Newcastle, which was great. And that project has been all about getting money out to artists and, you know, venues to really support them in the city. Then the federal government came on board and said, okay, we'll we'll match that. Here's a year worth of funding for this project. And we were able to continue with that. 
things like the Spirits of Newcastle, you know, we received seed funding of 20,000. Our visions are quite big, you know, we want to make a massive project. So we need kind of triple that, but already we're having conversations and we have various grants out to be able to support that. So for us to have an organization like Newcastle Council interested and supportive of our work on that level it's hugely game-changing for our organization it's really cool and i'm really glad that we've been able to play that role and to support the the work that you do in the the community discovering your newcastle is easy download the city of newcastle app to keep up to date with what's happening in your city how did you find the shift particularly in lockdown so much of your your work by necessity is with large audiences and and face-to-face and working in the studio how did that transition particularly when you had had people working remotely and from home and, and enable you to continue doing the amazing creative things that you do well look the short answer is that it's all happening now as in this week and next week and the week after it's all bottlenecked until the end of this year so you had mentioned you know curb in november we actually had to shift it to december because everything was just getting so tight and because of covid but also keeping going through projects we have, you know, Gimbag Gadigan, even though that, that got moved, we were able to keep working with that with some of the people rotating shifts in the studio at times. Actually, another grant we received um, from council for Bush Clowns, which was in 2020, got delayed and delayed and delayed and is only being completed now. That was creating these beautiful bush animal puppets to rove around the city. But as well as that, we've been marking the other places. And I'm proud to say that there are actually a couple of them on their way to Dubai as we speak to be part of the World Expo there. That's phenomenal, particularly from a studio based in Newcastle. It's really very exciting. And just before I bring Erin into the conversation, I do want to ask you a little bit about what is Curb? (laughs) Earlier this year, we produced Taylor's Run, which was site-specific theatre production at the Summerhill Waste Transfer Centre. One of the feature puppets was a massive banana peel and didn't really get enough stage time. So we decided to have the next iteration. So it's not Taylor's Run anymore. It's an entirely different show, but the story continues on and the banana gets its own cameo. So it's all about rubbish, it's about trash, it's about reusing. It's a touring show. It will go throughout Australia and international in 2022 and 2023, supported by Newcastle City Council, also the Australian Government Rise Fund and uh, Port of Newcastle and Hello Hamilton. But that's the show. The event is from five to eight prior to the show that we're running in Gregson Park. We had a meeting about it today. You know, there'll be plenty of roving artists and live music and food and just a really great family fun atmosphere. And of course, giant puppets. Perfect. And Gregson Park is the uh, the ideal location right in the heart of the city. So convenient to get to and, and just loved by so many families, which I'm going to try and segue in to bring Erin into this, this conversation. Obviously, the experiences that you've had through COVID and of your organisation have been a little bit different, really on the front line, providing support to so many families across Newcastle. What did 2020 and 2021 mean for your organisation in particular? And I'm just imagining how challenging it must have been, particularly again in that remote environment, how you provide support to people when we were all so much more remote and didn't have that, that same uh, access to, 
to social interaction. As you touched on earlier, you know, family support provides such a wide range of services to families. But I guess the kind of common element is that often these are people who are needing a bit of additional support. And so if you take families who already might need that extra help and you add COVID and the kind of isolation and homeschooling and and lack of services that can come with that. And we really found, you know, many families reaching crisis point and also families who hadn't accessed services before finding themselves in a situation where they were suddenly in need of that additional support. So, you know, we did continue to provide some services face-to-face in the home as needed, but obviously a lot of that needed to move to remote. We were trying to run a playgroup over Zoom suddenly. And, you know, if you've tried to keep small children engaged, we probably needed your giant banana actually at that point. (laughs) But small children engaged in in Zoom sessions is, is really tricky and trying to, you know, reduce isolation for people who are already isolated and are now at home with small children. So, you know, we definitely found that things were much more difficult for families and then you also have staff as well who were trying to juggle all of the same complexities so it's definitely been a challenging time. Do you think that as particularly as we've come out of the this most recent lockdown and that, that things are starting to happen slowly again in the, the city you're still seeing the same level of demand as you were through 2020 and coming into 2021 or has there been some improvement and that the comment that you made around you know, uh, families that were seeking support for the very first time as well is heartbreaking and, and how do you scale up an organisation like yours in order to be able to provide that that assistance? Mm-hmm. Yeah look we recently kind of reviewed the last 12 months and the increase in referrals that we had and it varied across projects but in general we've had at least a 30% increase in referrals wow. during COVID. So if you take an organisation that's already operating at capacity and add 30% more to that, you know, that kind of tells you the level of, of support that people are requiring. There has been, you know, some additional state funding in response to that short-term funding, but I suppose being able to access the rapid response funding has been really helpful in terms of being able to provide immediate kind of practical responses to people who are reaching out for the first time. So that's been really helpful. Yeah. Would you mind telling us a little bit more about the the Rapid Response Grant in particular and and how you found not only the process of receiving it, but also specifically what it was that you were were doing with those those funds? Yeah. So, I mean, the council was really proactive and actually reached out to us around the option of Rapid Response Funding. And, you know, for people who've ever completed funding grants, there's often a process with lots of kind of hoops to jump through, but that was kind of a much more streamlined process this time. And I think the council was recognising, you know, that... This, this needed to be rapid and there couldn't be those kind of barriers in place. So it was a really easy process. And I guess the gap that we were noticing was we had lots of families who were suddenly homeschooling children who yep. didn't have the technology or the internet data, you know, to be able to do that with three or four kids. So we used some of some of the resources for being able to provide data and learning from home resources for families, which made a big difference. That also enabled parents to attend our Zoom groups and parenting support groups to support them and then I guess there was the real practical stuff that makes a difference for families so you know although we can access Oz Harvest and some food relief it's very specific food and if you've got children with sensory issues or who aren't going to eat the food provided to be able to actually shop for what that family needed for their children um, and for themselves gave you know a level of dignity as well to those families and kind of autonomy over choosing what it is that would be helpful for them. And there was even practical stuff, you know, like to be able to buy a a lawnmower so that someone could actually mow the lawn so it was safe for their children to play in the backyard. That's made a massive difference for that family. So being able to kind of provide that immediate 
practical support that we aren't otherwise funded to do and we don't otherwise have the money to provide, I think has made a really big immediate difference. I have to say, and having looked at around the, the state and the country at other local government responses to the pandemic, it is pretty unusual for local government to have, to, to have tried to step in to help fill that some of that void. And just speaking frankly, it's a skill set that, that council, we don't necessarily have internally, but it's been phenomenal to be able to work and partner with organisations like yours that have those relationships, the skill set, the expertise in order to be able to provide the, the support. I think it's probably a little cliche, but worth just reflecting on a, again, how much COVID showed the the increasing inequalities that exist in, in our, all of our cities, but mm. especially in, in cities like Newcastle, where uh, you know things like housing are much more challenging to, to access. And then with a large number of people that, that weren't able to, to maintain those employment relationships during, during COVID, it just makes it so much harder and, and really pushed uh, an additional group of, of Novocastrians to, uh, to a breaking point that they hadn't necessarily or we wouldn't have previously planned for. So thank you for the, the work that, that you do. What's happening in your Newcastle? Subscribe to our mailing list at newcastle.nsw.gov.au. How many families on an ongoing basis does Newcastle Family Support assist? Across the various projects, we would probably at any one time have a couple of hundred families that we're supporting, either through group programs or through individual one-on-one support. And as I said, that ranges from our specialist domestic violence program and intensive family preservation program, working with families with DCJs involved, through to the more kind of soft entry, early intervention supported playgroup style programs. So... We really, yeah, we really offer something for all families. Yep. How can Novocastrians get more involved in supporting the work of Newcastle Family Support as well? Yeah, look, we've got a website and a Facebook page with lots of information. We also run a community giving cupboard. So if people are wanting to to kind of donate non-perishable food items and that kind of thing, that's always an option. And if people are looking for support, we kind of have a no wrong door policy. So if people are ringing our intake line, you know, we'll work out what's the best project for you to be referred to or else what, what service will be able to meet your needs. Lots of this conversation has been around the city's grant support and both of you are experts absolutely in grant writing and, and seeking access to support. I wondered if you had any tips and tricks that you might like to, to share with our listeners as well around the process of seeking grants from, from organisations like Council as an end user that you can probably speak much more about the experience than what I can, and also about other levels of government. And what are the key uh, tricks of the trade that are that are worth sharing? Look, I guess from our perspective, you just try it. You keep going and going and going. I normally recommend when I'm talking to people about writing grants, you may get lucky, uh, particularly with council grants. They're very accessible and very easy to get. I highly recommend if you're looking for funds um, that you try there first. However, for things like, um, at least in the arts, the Australia Council, Create New South Wales sponsorships, try and try again. I normally say if we're getting a project together, for every 10 grants we write, we might get one or two. Our success rate's actually a bit better than that at the moment. However, you've got to keep trying. You know, often I'll meet an artist who will say, oh, yeah tried to get a grant for this project, but I couldn't get it. I'm like, cool, how many how many funding applications did you write? Oh, just one. <laughs> that said, I, I do recommend people look into Newcastle City Council if you're local. They are hugely supportive in terms of the breadth of what they're able to give out to people, particularly in the arts, with funding. And uh, they're relatively easy to get. So that's a great place to start. It's a good plug. We've also got the Council Operates a Grant Finder website. And so that we try and link 
not only the grants that the council operates and, and provides, but also uh, other levels of government, community-based organisations to try and provide a bit of an easier access point because there is just lots of different avenues. I imagine that you could spend a phenomenal amount of time trying to chase through those various paths and, and trying to pull those bits together really does help. What's your experience in your organisation to Erin, I imagine, must spend an awful lot of time and effort on various grants, particularly t- larger grants, I'm assuming, to, mm-hmm. to state and federal governments as well as the, the local ones? I think I'd echo, you know, the importance of persistence and patience. I think the other thing is if you know the outcomes it is that you're looking for and you have a kind of key vision and you can start at that point and work backwards in terms of what are the practicalities of that and the requirements of that. And for us, I think it's it's always been about what are the organisational values that underpin what we're hoping to achieve and how do we kind of get that through in our application that so that it makes us unique but yeah you know we probably get one in every five that we apply for so you have to be willing to be knocked back and try again some of our listeners will be like me the the, some of the the policy makers within within council and bureaucracy and so interested in picking up on that point erin particularly these COVID response grants, we looked at opportunities to remove some of, for lack of a better word, the red tape around them to try and make sure that whilst still complying with all of our uh, obligations in terms of prudent expenditure of ratepayers funds, we were trying to get it out the door and invested in, in programs that were really important. What are the, from your experiences of these grants, what are some of the messages perhaps back to the, the grant policymakers? How do, can we make the process better as well to allow you to do your jobs more efficiently and effectively? Mm. Like I mentioned, I think, you know, the rapid response grant was a fairly easy process. And I think the fact that council had reached out and we'd actually had a conversation about, you know, what are the gaps? What is it that we could offer that would fill those gaps that aren't being filled by the state and federal government? And, you know, what would actually really make a tangible difference? So being able to have a conversation about what what would make us unique in accessing that. And then I guess, you know, having a fairly simple document to actually fill out to apply for that with not too much red tape around the actual specifics of exact amounts, you know, per item, cost per item, yes. you know, makes a big difference. And coming back, I'm imagining that's, you know, all of the reconciliation of that at the end of the process as well must be, uh, exactly. must be very challenging. Yeah. It was remiss of me not to, to mention the fact that these grants uh, were initiative of the City of Newcastle, but came together as part of the Lord Mayor's City Task Force that brought together 17 of our city business leaders in particular, CEOs of agencies from and, uh, and companies right across Newcastle and was really looking at the way that we could all assemble in a crisis point, the various resources of all of those uh, those organisations together. Mitchell, you mentioned the, the grants, particularly in the, the cultural space within council, were, were relatively accessible. That's not to say, though, certainly to plug that there, there is a pretty rigorous process in and around the expenditure of, of those funds. How do you find the, again, given we've got a focus of an episode on grants, ensuring that you can be true to the vision of your organisation whilst also being pushed down certain avenues as a result of, of grant criteria? can be really challenging. For us, it's actually getting multiple grants. It's not... Well, you've got re- that overlap that... Exactly. It's not relying on one place, you know. So Spirits of Newcastle is a really great example of that. There are specific crit- criteria that we need to hit in order to get that. But partly for us to be able to say, okay, look, we're aware that you're not going to give us $80,000. You know, what can we do with 20? You know, and here's one aspect we can work at. And then we approach other organizations and kind of partner and and work in with them. So that kind of layered approach, whether, you know, um, it's 10 or 15,000 that you're after or two or three actually works quite well. And I would recommend it. One other thing I was thinking too, in terms of applying for grants, one of the most important things is making sure you fit the criteria. It is essential because the first thing someone who is assessing grants will do when they have, you know, 30 or 40 grants 
is to cull them yeah. and get rid of all the ones that don't meet the criteria. We've gotten knocked back multiple times with that, so that's just something you just get better at. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Feeling social? Follow City of Newcastle on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and LinkedIn. Uh, I didn't ask you before, but it's coming up next year and you just referenced it. What is the Spirits of Newcastle project? Uh, it's got lots of tentacles, so I'd be keen to understand how it, how it fits together. Well, Erin, we actually need to speak with you about this. So one of the things we're looking at doing is we're working with minority communities around Newcastle. We have quite strong relationship with the local Waramai community. However, that's one community, yep. you know, there's other indigenous people, there's, you know, refugees, you know, there's, it's, it's quite broad. So that particular project, our lead artist on that, Connor Fox, will be actually going out and speaking with people directly in those communities. And it's more about people. It's about identity. We'll be talking with them about their experience of living in Newcastle. And then based on that, creating a show of what we consider the spirit of Newcastle to be. So it's highly, highly interactive. Yeah, let's talk. Sounds good. Yeah, (laughs) It sounds really cool. Newcastle probably has a bit of a reputation still for being relatively homogenous and not necessarily demonstrating that diversity, but actually there are amazing pockets of diversity in our, in our community. I'd be really interested to see what you end up determining. What is the the spirit of Newcastle? That's a remarkable story there. We yeah. probably have numerous podcast episodes filled with stories about the spirit of Newcastle. Exactly. And like the, the 20 grand for us will go to a very small part of the project. I mean, it's large. It's about community engagement. That's what we'll do with that. But then we'll layer that. We'll apply for additional funding. The end result is doing a large scale performance. But that's a little bit further down the track. Cool. Is there anything that you, either of you were really wanting to talk about that we have just not gone anywhere near? Just the one thing from us is just how incredibly transformational Newcastle Council's support has been for our arts organisation in particular. And I mean, not just for us, but like we employ artists all over town. We have multiple projects where we're getting funding out to artists and venues. So we're definitely ticking all those boxes. But for us, like we, you know, through the, the little bit of support that council has shown to a local arts organization has meant that we can apply to the Australia council to create New South Wales, that we have legitimacy, you know, the contract we got from DFAT, all of that is just magnified. So huge. Thank you. And it's great to be a part of the city. That's an awesome way to wrap up today's episode. I'm so pleased that we've been able to partner and work with both of your organisations to achieve amazing things in two very different fields for the the city. Something certainly I'm quite passionate about as a councillor and as the Deputy Lord Mayor is making sure that we're investing in uh, opportunities for Novocastrians, seeing the enormous value of the the arts in reflecting back the, the new Newcastle community, but also doing so in a really compassionate way that is taking care of of all Novocastrians and trying to reduce some of those inequality gaps. So thank you so very much for joining me for this episode of Your Newcastle. That's Your Newcastle. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate and review us wherever you listen. 